The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gallagher? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 45. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. We've got a big show coming up here for you. We are getting closer and closer to the NFL draft, and BLG and I are going to break it all down here for you over the next 45 minutes to an hour, uh, give you our picks as far as what, what positions we think the Eagles should be focusing on early in the draft. Uh, we'll get to some crazy stuff set on the NFL Network about what Howie Roseman could do in the draft <laughs> coming up here in a couple of weeks. And we'll try and answer the question, what is the best draft pick in Eagles history? So we got all that coming up here on episode 45. And joining me as he does every week is the brains behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he forever reign, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, man. The draft is almost here, buddy. Two weeks away, John. We are two weeks away from the 2019 NFL draft as we are recording this on Thursday, April 11th. Uh, it kind of sneaks up on you in some ways. It's like, oh, the draft is here. And in other ways, after all these mock drafts you're looking at and all these pre-draft visits and all this, could they do this? Could they do that? In some ways, it feels like it takes forever to get here, at least for me. Um, so I- I'm glad we're getting close two weeks away. And it'll be fun. I think last year, you know, the draft wasn't super exciting in the sense that the Eagles only had five picks. They just won the Super Bowl, so everyone doesn't really even care about the draft. I mean, everyone's still riding that Super Bowl high. Um, And this year's a little different. It's kind of like, okay, uh, this is a very important draft for this team. They really need to nail this, especially if they're going to make that push, not only for now in 2019 in the immediacy of things, but also the long-term future of this team. Uh, the, the foundation, the building blocks going forward. So it's an important draft and we're only two weeks away. And as always, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there is. And and what, one of the things uh, we're going to get into here is uh, some of the difficulty in trying to figure out what to do. I mean, it's it's, it's easier for a, a losing team to have a clearer idea of a direction in the draft because usually you have a higher pick and you have so many needs and you could re- you need as many starters as possible. But for a team like the Eagles that has a really good roster and they, they don't have a whole lot of positional needs, it's, it's kind of up in the air where they're going to go at this point. So we're going to get into all that coming up here in just a few minutes. 
minutes. But before we get into draft talk, which is going to dominate the podcast this week, uh, just a, a quick bit of news that the Eagles announced they've signed three players from what used to be the AAF. Quarterback Luis Perez, who played for the Birmingham Iron. Wide receiver Greg Ward Jr., who played for the San Antonio Commanders. And wide receiver Charles Johnson, who played for the Orlando Apollos. All to one-year deals, BLG. What do you make of these signings? I know the AAF was here for a little while. We didn't get to see these guys a whole lot. And, you know, are these guys that you would expect to actually play regular season football with this team? Yeah, so Perez is the guy we talked about last week. You know, the Eagles were reportedly working him out. They worked him out on Monday, and they thought whatever they saw was good. And, you know, going back to last week's episode, John, when we were talking about this guy, Luis Perez, not great stats in the AAF. But I think the sell on him, once again, if I can do the sell job here for the Eagles, is that he's only 24 (laughs) years old. His story is crazy. He didn't really play football in high school. Uh, he wanted to be like a bowler, like a professional bowler. That's hilarious. And he was really good at bowling, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he's he's bowled like something like uh, six or seven perfect games, or like are wow. a lot. Maybe I'm underdoing that, so I forget the number. But the point is, like, he's a really good bowler. And um, then he goes to uh, Southwestern College or something, like a, a junior college. He walks on there. He's like ninth out of nine quarterbacks on the depth chart there as a walk on, mind you. Again, like didn't have a lot of football experience. Somehow. You know, does good enough there to be able to transfer to Texas A&M Commerce, uh, a Division II school. Hmm. Uh, he ends up having an insane career there, and he wins like the equivalent of Division II Heisman. A lot of success there. All of a sudden, you know, he gets to the NFL but as an undrafted free agent signing with the Rams, and he spent the last preseason with them. He, he barely played in the preseason, but still, I mean, for him to get that far is like it's, it's pretty good for a player who does not have a lot of experience. So I think the Eagles sell is that like this is a guy who we can get in our system and we can coach him up. I think, you know, I think like if, if you give him NFL coaching, like maybe he can be something. And I think it's worth a shot. You know, it's yeah. it's um it's a higher upside play than like bringing in Joe Callahan last year who really didn't have the size to be an NFL quarterback. With all due respect to the mighty Joe Callahan, um, <laughs> you know, Perez in theory, he's 6'3", uh, 222 pounds. Like he has decent size. I don't know that he's really going to turn into anything. But, you know, you have Carson Wentz as your starter. You have Nate Sudfeld as your backup. If you want to bring in a developmental guy, I think you can still do that in the draft. But Perez is also kind of just like a lottery ticket as well. You might as well see uh, what you got. You're going to need a camp arm anyway because usually you carry four, at least four quarterbacks for a training camp and stuff just to fill the reps. So uh, I don't know. It's fine. Do you think <laughs> do you think anything of that one? You know, I don't. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and and I. But I mean, for a guy like this, I mean, it, it's probably going to go the way of something like Christian Hackenberg did last year. I mean, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> you know, he's he de- he definitely has size, and he he's young, and and maybe with a little coaching, you know, it it it, it could turn into something. But you know, I, I think this team still needs another quarterback uh, to back these guys up, and and you'll probably see them add somebody after the draft who could just be a little so, somebody that you know has a little bit more of a track record or maybe they even draft a kid late, you know, maybe they even take a mm-hmm. kid in the, in the, in the fourth or the fifth round or something like that and, and develop somebody, you know, who maybe has a little bit more of a pedigree, a little bit more of a history in college and high school and all that. But I get, I, I get what the idea behind this is, is, you know, if you've got two runners and you've got, they both run at the same speed, but one's got horrible form and, and the other one's got picture perfect form. A coach is going to want that kid with terrible form every time because you can coach him up and make him a better player. And so, yeah. yeah, I get that's what the Eagles probably want to do here. But my 
given how he played in the AAF. I'm just, I believe in miracles, BLG, but uh, this would this would <laughs> certainly qualify as one if they turned him into something. But it, it is Doug Peterson. I, I, I will never doubt anything Doug Peterson does again as long as I live, man. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Um, and as for the other two guys, Charles Johnson and Greg Ward, I actually listed both of those guys on my list of former AF. Well, I, I sorry, I was going to list both of them. I left off Charles Johnson because uh, he turns 30 or he is 30. Yeah, 30 years old. And I just thought, yeah, so like it's not like there's a lot of untapped upside there potentially. Uh, Charles Johnson obviously had some experience with the Vikings. I remember Charles Johnson as this guy who like pretty athletic and decent size. I always remember him being a darling of like fantasy football Twitter. Like I remember like Evan Silva back in the day, just like tweeting about him constantly mm. <laughs> about like just like uh, he's almost like a cult hero fringe breakout guy, and he kind of just never seemingly like got the opportunity. Like it's like a team never really like fully believed in him. He was a seventh round pick, yeah. so teams weren't like necessarily invested in him and didn't give him every opportunity to succeed. So, I mean, you're going to get a look at him in training camp. Again, he's good size. He's fast. That speed showed up in the AAF. It's worth a look. And then with Greg Ward, you know, the Eagles obviously signed him as an undrafted free agent. It was uh, two years ago now. So going into after the 2017 NFL draft and Ward was converting from quarterback, you know, where he played at Houston to wide receiver. When I, I remember watching Greg Ward in OTAs in minicamp that year. And I was like, man, this guy... I just don't see it. Like he looks so thin. Credit to him. Like he's worked really hard, done I think a pretty decent job of making that transition from quarterback to wide receiver. Obviously not good enough quite yet to to make it fully at the NFL level. But for the Eagles to bring him back and for him to have some success in the AAF, uh, his receiving numbers weren't great. But he was actually he led the league in punt return average, so he was kind of dangerous there. And you know who knows if Darren Sproles is going to be back. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need a returner. Maybe Greg Ward can kind of. Uh, have a good preseason. He can play special teams. He can give you some depth in the slot. He can throw a Philly Philly if you want because <laughs> he has that quarterback experience. So, yeah, I'm interested to see him back. He's only 23 years old. So, overall, you know, nothing too crazy. But these are the kind of moves that you like to see. It's working the margins. Yeah. Like to take it to like the Sixers, for example, they're a team right now who are going into the playoffs and they have depth issues in part because they never worked the margins these past couple of years. Like they didn't do these little things and the Eagles do that. And it doesn't mean it's going to pay off, but I just, you feel good when your team like at least tries to take a chance on people like this. So that's my takeaway from these signings. Yeah, it's paying attention to the small things. It's it, to the to the little details because you're right. You never know when you never know when you're going to get a Corey Clement. And Corey Clement was was obviously you know he had experience, but an undrafted undrafted free agent. You never know when you're going to find a diamond in the rough, and uh, maybe that's what happens here. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on these guys during camp and see if any of them are able to stick. And if you have a good camp, that always helps you when you're look trying to make an NFL roster. All right, BLG, let's dig into the NFL draft. You know, I think as we as we again approach this thing, just a couple weeks away we know the Eagles pick at number 25 they got two second round picks no third round pick and then a bunch of third day picks so they they are going to be more active than they were last year like I was saying before we got started talking about the AAF guys because this is a really good football team and Ben Solak mentioned this in the latest edition of the Kiston Solak show because you have a Super Bowl team on your hands here there's not a lot of need for starters for this roster most of the starting positions have been set it's it's kind of an interesting tightrope to walk here if you're Howie Roseman. You do have the freedom of not having to go after certain positions, but 
on the other side of the coin, when you're picking at number tw- 25 here, BLG, and when you don't have specific positions where you had a real need, there's a million possibilities. There, there are so many different ways that this team could go right now. But even though the even though the Eagles do have a pretty stacked roster right now, I think there are some positions where they could prioritize here early in the draft. So I think uh, we, we've each come up with a list of positions that we think um, should be priorities for this team as they get ready to draft in a couple of weeks. Uh, let me start it off with you, though. What, what are what are the main areas of need that you think this team needs to fill here in the draft? Yeah, so basically, to me, it's like a checklist. Like, ideally, I mean, obviously, everyone's going to be like, well, you want to take best player available. Yeah, ideally, right, right, you right, right, do right. want to do that. But you can't do that. And, you know, there's a tight end who's the best player available at literally every single turn you're picking around and, and leave the draft with eight tight ends. Like, no, we're not doing that, obviously. Right, so right. so there, there are certain things, you know, need does come into play to some extent at some point. And I think the number one thing for this team is to bolster the defensive line. It has to be. This class is too talented in terms of the it's top heavy in terms of, well, it's not just top heavy, but there's a lot of talent at the top is what I'm trying to say. And it's also deep. So I just feel like the combination of those two things, it's too deep and it's too talented for them to not address the defensive line. And really that's defensive end or defensive tackle. I think, you know, either spot, they could really afford to add some youth at uh, defensive tackle, you could argue, I would argue maybe, is the bigger immediate need because, you know, you have Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, you know, but let's not forget Malik Jackson's kind of coming off a down year in Jacksonville where he literally got benched at one point. And I think he'll be fine in this scheme. But still, you know, you want to add depth behind him. And even if um, there weren't any concerns about Malik Jackson, you still want to be able to rotate this defensive line. Like, that's how they won a Super Bowl in 2018, ultimately, because they were able to have this strong defensive line rotation and they led the league in total pressures generated. And I think there's an opportunity quite clearly in this draft to get someone who they can add oh, to yeah. that defensive line. That's how, again, that's how you won the Super Bowl. You invest in the trenches. I think the defensive line is just the obvious first thing they have to do in this draft. Okay, uh, so defensive line, and you're right, this is, I think with everything we've been hearing is that for defensive tackles and edge rushers, that it, it is a a tremendous draft at, at those positions. Um, for me, uh, I, I think my, my first priority, and I hear what you're saying about the defensive line, but I, I feel like the Eagles have some pretty good depth there right now. Derek Barnett coming back, and uh, I think they are interested in seeing what Josh Sweat has to offer. Obviously, if you get if you get a big-name guy fall to you at 25 on the defensive line, they, they, they've got to do that, but I, the area that can concerns me a lot right now is what they're going to do at left tackle when Jason Peters is no longer part of this team next year. And on the other side of the football with Lane Johnson, who again uh, is a suspension away from being away from the team for a long time. And so for me, I I think it's offensive tackle. I would be looking for an opportunity if there's an offensive tackle they really like to move up a little bit even to get a to get somebody or if somebody falls to you at 25 I would jump at the opportunity to take a tackle that you feel may have the opportunity to take over for Jason Peters in 2020 because I think I think we both agree this is probably going to be Peters last year unless he has a renaissance that we don't see coming he's not getting any younger and you don't want to you don't want to draft somebody next year and ask them to start at left tackle, and you don't want to have to have Halapula, Halapula Vati Vaitai start 
um, for a season while another draft pick kind of gets revved up. So I think with one of their first three picks in the first two rounds, I would like to see the Eagles go after an offensive tackle, BLG. But uh, what position is number two for you? Well, it's interesting because that wasn't actually number four on my list. Um, a little wow. so a little bit okay. lower than you. If the right player is there at 25, especially, you get him. And I think that would be great to do that. But in terms of immediacy, like, I don't think it's so dire. And maybe I'm going to regret saying that just because Jason Peters is old and he gets hurt. But (laughs) I just feel like with their current setup, if JP can stay healthy and he can just get the Eagles through 2019, at that point, Big V is going to be a free agent after this year. So that's kind of a concern. You have to keep that in mind. Um, but like maybe my really is ready after this year. Like at this point, you know, he'll have uh, a couple years to learn the position, to learn football entirely and to be ready. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting if you take a tackle early on, because that guy is also going to potentially be a developmental guy, just in the sense that he's probably not going to be playing. And at that point, I don't hate it by any means, because like if you're telling me that my Lada and a high draft pick are going to be competing for the left tackle job next year, I think that's great. I don't think you should just hand it to Jordan Mylata by any means. I think, you know, that's a position where you do want competition. So I don't dislike it. I just feel like just you might be able to put it off another year. And I think that's kind of what the part of the goal is in bringing JP back like they did. So that's the only reason I put it down a little bit lower. But uh, at number two on my list of things to accomplish, my checklist, if you will, is to find a third safety. I think they have to uh, find a guy who can potentially be Malcolm Jenkins' replacement because Malcolm Jenkins turns 32 this season. Uh, Rodney McLeod is going to be a free agent after this year. And with Andrew Sandejo, (laughs) his contract, we've talked about this before, is so that it currently qualifies against the Eagles' compensatory pick formula But if the Eagles cut him, I think they have until week 10. But if they cut him at some point before then, ultimately, then they can save that fourth round pick. So, like, you don't want to keep Andrew Sandejo on your roster if you don't have to. And you can save, you know, it's a fourth round pick. It's like a pretty decent pick. So I just think if you can get a really good third safety who can kind of come in and he can play the Corey Graham role this year, but actually be better than Corey Graham and hopefully know what to do on fourth (laughs) and 15, then I think that would (laughs) be great because – it addresses an immediate need for that backup behind McLeod, who's coming off an injury as well, another concern, Jenkins, and will get some playing time. And next year, potentially, as soon as next year in 2020, he can either you know fill in for Rodney McLeod or Malcolm Jenkins, depending on what happens at that position. So that would be my number two there is finding that third safety. Maybe he can even play corner a little bit and help out there. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, and especially to in the context of these needs, I, I want to say like this is part of it's shaped up because of like what talent we see available here. Like I think there's right. safeties that I see available that make sense. And this is like why I think it's a realistic goal for them and what they should do. Yeah. And I hear you. I have, I have safety on my list, but it's down at number four for me. Um, only because I feel like, the Eagles are the, the Eagles have a guy in Avante Maddox who can play safety if they decide not to go with Sendejo. And I liked Avante Maddox at cornerback as well, but I also think Sendejo had a down year last year, but was very good in 2017. I, I kind of think they signed him to 
for him to play on the team. And so that's, I mean, I think if you, if you have one of the top safeties fall to you at 25, like that Nasir Adderley kid from Delaware, I know Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Florida is a guy, a lot of people like, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys too. I, I, if they're there at 25 and the Eagles take them, I wouldn't have any qualms about that whatsoever. But I, I think it's something, a position to go after in maybe the second round or the fourth round. But for me, it's number four on my list. Uh, but I do, I do think it's a, a, something they should target here in the draft. For me, and I'm probably, I'm probably more like uh, you know a, a sports radio call-in caller uh, with this desire. Uh-oh. But I, I really think they need a pass-catching running back in the draft. BLG, I, I want to see this team get an infusion of youth. I know Jordan Howard is not an old player or anything like that, but he kind of runs like an old player. You know what I mean? He doesn't have the electricity. <laughs> runs like of, an old of, man. Of, <laughs> he does. He's kind of an old, an old guy runner. And I would, I'd, I, I would love to see this team draft a running back early who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I, I love Duke Johnson. I love the idea of trading for Duke Johnson. And, and that may happen after the draft. It may happen as part of the draft. You know, some of these draft deals yeah. involve players once in a while. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I also don't know that Cleveland is, I know Duke Johnson's been talking about wanting to get traded from Cleveland, but you know nobody's holding a gun to the Browns' head to do it. I don't know that they are going to ship him out for peanuts. And so, yeah, I I would love to see the Eagle. I I think they could really use an infusion of young talent at the running back position. I'm not at all convinced that Corey Clement is going to come back strong in 2019. Again, Jordan Howard is a nice runner between the tackles. He'll, I think he'll score you some touchdowns near the goal line, but I don't see a whole lot else out there that the Eagles can add outside of Duke Johnson to give them an electric player behind Carson Wentz. And I think that's really important. I think giving Carson Wentz uh, some some help at running back is, is really important. And so I think for me, a dynamic pass-catching young running back that'll be on this team for cheap for a number of years would be very, very important. They're number two on my list. So that's your number two. That's my number three. So okay. I was debating flipping that with two, but I just feel like, you know, the way they value running backs, I kind of had to put it realistically a little bit down a little bit more. And yeah, these are these are my priorities, which I know a lot of yes. times are, are out of line with, with what Howie Roseman will want to do. That's why I'm not the general manager of a football team, BLG. Lots of reasons why I'm not the middle. You know. But but also, too, because I feel like I think they can find a, a pass catching running back a little bit easier than they could find, in my case, like a defensive lineman, a really good one, or yeah. an impact third safety as well. So, yeah, for I, I think that's an obvious one for this team as a whole. Some people coming out of the Jordan Howard trade, I felt were like, oh, we're set now at running back. And it's like, well, not really. Yeah. And they, the team clearly is indicating as much, in my opinion, considering they're hosting guys like Daryl Henderson, Justice Hill, and uh, who else? Like Josh, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Like they're hosting these kind of mold of running back of these pest catchers. And you kind of like there's a precedent for the Eagles kind of doing this in terms of their pre-draft visits in that last year. They were um, hosting a ton of slot cornerbacks on pre-draft visits. And guess what? Who they draft? Avante Maddox, a slot cornerback. So, you know, they kind of, I think it's clear that they view that as a need still. And it's obvious to me that it is. You can't just count on Corey Clement to come back and be that guy. First of all, he's coming off injury. Second of all, I know he showed some potential as a rookie, but that's also a couple of seasons ago now. And before that, like he never had this track record as a pass catcher. So you can't just like, okay, we're fine there. You just can't do that. And I think the opportunity to get a guy like Daryl Henderson, who I think would be the perfect like lightning to Jordan Howard's thunder, like I think that's a perfect compliment right there. Like, you you have your power, you have your speed, your explosiveness. 
that's just something they need. They, they need a dynamic element, a running back, and I think they can get one. And I think that brings value to the offense. You know, you want to talk about the Eagles not always valuing the running back position highly. I get that. But what they do value highly is the passing game. And to have a running back who can contribute in that respect, uh, I think it just makes everything better, the whole team better. It makes Carson Wentz better to give him that guy. Because think about that. I mean, like, has Carson Wentz ever really had that kind of running back? like reliable, established, proven pass-catching running back? Like, no. <laughs> Am I yeah. missing someone out? I mean, you can say Darren Sproles, but he's been hurt. So, like, th- he just hasn't had a reliable guy um, to work with like that. And I think that's something the Eagles have kind of been targeting for a while now. I've talked about it before. I think you look at their rumored interest in Le'Veon Bell. I think ultimately they didn't want to pay him what he got, clearly. But I think they wanted a back like that who can contribute in the passing game. So I definitely think that is one of the top things to get out of this draft. And my number three, BLG here, if running back is your number three, I, and again, I know this is completely different from what the Eagles are going to do. I I understand 100% that what I'm about to say flies in the face of the type of defense the Eagles want to run, but I, I would love to see this team out of playmaking linebacker in the draft. Now, this is a weak class for linebacking. Devin White or Devin Bush Jr., and and that's pretty much it, and the Eagles would have to trade up to, to grab one of those guys. I mean, if, if if one of those two guys fell to the Eagles at 25, I would, I would really love to see the Eagles grab one of those guys because we saw, the as much as the Eagles depend on the defensive line to get pressure on the quarterback, and as much as they depend on the secondary to to lock down receivers and make plays in the secondary. The the linebacking core was invisible for much of last season. And and this this defense takes on a, a whole different look when they've got one of their linebackers playing at a at a top level. I mean, when Jordan Hicks was creating a ton of turnovers, that was a big lift for the defense. When Nigel Bradham had to step in in the middle of 2017 and played effectively at middle linebacker, that was a big lift for that team. And that doesn't get talked about a whole lot because the defensive line does have the big names, and that is where most of the resources were poured into the team. And and I get, I get it. They won a Super Bowl doing that. But I, I think, you know, I see... I, this is a 4-3 wide nine defense. You're, and I wrote about this for BleedingGreenNation.com uh, uh, this week, um, talking about how I think the Eagles should be focusing on, on linebacker. You look at their depth chart, there's not much there. I mean, you have Nigel Bradham, you have uh, Kamagruje Hill, you have Nate Gary, and that's that's about it. And, you know, they're only going to be in three linebacker 25% of the time, 27% of the time. Their number in 2017, I think, was uh, they played three linebackers in 27% of their defensive alignments. So it's mostly a two linebacker, three safety set. And I kind of get that's the world that we're living in right now. But I'm not at all I'm not at all convinced Nigel Bradham is a good enough middle linebacker. And I'm not at all convinced that LJ Fort is good enough to be the middle linebacker for this team. So if, if there's a if there's a again, if there's a linebacker that makes sense wherever the Eagles are picking, I, I think that is an area of need for this team. But I know that it's not lined up with what Howie Roseman or the rest of the Eagles front office thinks, BLG. Yeah, I would put linebacker down at like I think six at the highest for me. Uh, so how about that? Not even the top five. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> a position they still need to address in some way. You you said it well. Like there's no, we don't even know who the starting middle linebacker is. Is it Paul Warlow? Like I don't know that that's just something we can count on. <laughs> right. Or if that's good, if he can be a backup, yeah, that's fine. But I don't think we just ideally 
that want him starting. I mean, maybe LJ Fort is that guy. We kind of don't know fully what the deal is there. I mean, they signed him to a three-year, $5.5 million deal. As I've mentioned before on the, the podcast here, our, our good friend Mike Kay, former BGN alumnus, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, he had mentioned that he had heard something about Fort being in the mix for you know starting job or playing time. So we'll see how that goes. To me, it's just ultimately not a big concern like you talked about, John, because Jim Swartz, I remember sitting in a press conference that he was talking about last summer uh, just, you know, he doesn't, he just does not seem to really care about the linebacker position too much. Yeah. Uh, he wants guys, he wants more safeties and defensive backs on the field as he can. You know, he doesn't want more linebackers on the field because it's, you know, it's just kind of the way the game is going as a passing league. And I just think that's kind of how he values that ultimately. And um, so I, I don't, I think they have to get someone probably on day three. And I think that's probably where they will get mm-hmm. someone at linebacker to kind of compete in there for the starting job. That's actually how I wrote it down on my list. I, I wrote, get a linebacker who can hopefully or potentially compete for the starting job. So maybe you draft that guy in the fourth round. You know, I think back to Jordan Hicks, he was a third round pick. I think you can get a linebacker on day three and he could potentially compete for playing time with the likes of Fort and Warlow and Gary and Kamu and uh, you still have Bradham. So uh, I think that's kind of what the plan is there. If that's my number six, rounding up my top five, I guess, would be address interior offensive line. Like, they have to do that at some point because Jason Kelsey, you know, he might retire next year. Like He reportedly thought about retiring this year. And if you don't have Jason Kelsey, what do you have? Yeah, like, who is starting doing? at center? Is it Stumalo? Okay, if it's him, then who's starting at guard? Like, you you have a hole, and, and the offensive line is just so important. The trenches are so important. And I think Kelsey's value is almost, like, underrated in a way. When you look back at, like, the last time, you know, he's missed playing time for significant periods of time, like, the team has gone in the hole. It happened in 2012 when they only won four games. Like, Kelsey got hurt early on the season, and the team, you know, just the, the offensive line wasn't the same. You look at the Saints game this year. Jason Kelsey gets hurt earlier in the game, uh, the first one in the regular season. He goes right. lose 48-7. to seven. Now, I'm not just saying that's all on him, but I think that, like, there's something to that. Like, he is a crucial component of this team. Yep. And to just lose him is not a small deal at all. Um and we're clearly seeing the Eagles show some interest in some interior offensive linemen and some guard prospects. So I think getting interior offensive linemen who can kind of be like this year's Stefan Wisniewski and kind of fill in or, you know, he's potentially competing with Matt Pryor for this kind of job. But, you know, who can kind of be a backup or, you know, this year's Chance Warmack essentially, you know, one of their top two backup guards. And then potentially fill in next year for Jason Kelsey or, again, maybe Samalo, whoever. And even in the short term this year, there's value in it because Brandon Brooks is coming off of that Achilles injury. So maybe you draft a rookie and maybe he starts right away for just a couple games before Brooks is able to come back into the lineup. And, you know, if it's a guy maybe like Chris Lindstrom, um, he could theoretically play at tackle too because he's done that before. So. Probably not so, more so for his entire career. I don't know. But, you know, just a guy who can kind of give you that interior offensive line value there. I think that's a kind of like almost an underrated need for them. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think that is going to be that is going to be an area. The offensive line, I just I think that definitely has to be a focus for this team here during the draft. And for me, number five was the defensive line. If I had safety at four, defensive line is number five. And I would be completely happy if they got a top defensive lineman 
at number 25 overall. Again, like we're talking about, if if all they're seeing is tight ends and cornerbacks falling to the 25, they're probably going to trade down. I mean, they're not going to just sit there and take the best available, whoever, whatever position it happens to be. It's hopefully going to be at one of the positions we've talked about. But I think you and I would both agree, and this is what we're going to get into next after we take a quick break. Uh, some of our uh, some of your top options for the number 25 overall pick in the draft. There's lots of names being thrown out there. You will hardly see any two mock drafts for the Eagles look the same. A million different possibilities. So uh, we'll get into BLG's uh, top five options for the Eagles at number 25. And we'll do that up next right here on BGN Radio. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. So, BLG, the Eagles are drafting at number 25 overall. And, of course, the possibility exists they could move up. The possibility exists they could move back. But assuming that they stay at number 25 and, and kind of given all the mock drafts that, that are that are out there that you've seen and some of the names that are likely to be available when it comes time for the Eagles to pick, what are your top choices at number 25 for the Birds? Yeah, so my number one is a trade-up scenario, and it would be Ed Oliver. I think that's kind of like yep, the, that's the dream. obvious one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the pipe dream. But I think it's within reason to some extent. I don't think it's a small – I mean, I don't think it's a big percentage, that, and I don't think it's likely it happens. But I think there is some kind of chance it does. Benjamin Solak has previously talked about why – Ed Oliver could fall. You look at those kind of smaller defensive tackles who historically have been under undervalued by the NFL. You saw it with um, Geno Atkins. You see it with um, Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett, I guess you could throw in there. These kind of guys who really offer a lot of pass rush juice. And I think Oliver is that guy. I think if he somehow falls within striking range, I don't know exactly where that is. Maybe it's like 14 as high. I think that's about as high as the Eagles could reasonably go, just considering that um, I think they made a similar move back when they got Brandon Graham, like kind of where they are now up until that range. Like maybe you package a second and a fourth or whatever it takes to get up there. And I think it's possible. I, I don't think it's necessarily likely, but I think it would be the, probably the most realistic home run addition they could get in this draft. The fact that you're adding Ed Oliver, a guy who's just dominant on the interior next to Fletcher Cox in that rotation there with Malik Jackson. Like that's just a lot of interior pass rushing inside there. And that makes me feel very good about the upcoming season if they could get him. Okay. So that's your number one option there. Uh, who do you got it? Who do you got as your, as your second, uh, your second choice there, BLG? So number two would be Kristen Wilkins. I think that's just the most realistic pick uh, in terms of who could fall there that I think the Eagles would be in love with now. I don't think it's a guarantee Wilkins falls. There's, you know, scenarios where he's going 14. I think that's a popular pick for him to the Falcons there. So I don't know that it's guaranteed he'd get to the Eagles pick, but I just think he checks a lot of boxes in what makes sense for the Eagles and just makes sense in general for many teams. Like high character guy, um, national champion, obviously it's a pedigree for whatever that's worth. Uh, the production I think is, is good. He last year, I think he was second overall in terms of, pass rush 
percentage uh, for his position on the interior. So, you know, he gives you that pass rushing juice. He's not just a run-stuffing defensive tackle. He's versatile. He's played at multiple spots in the defensive line. Everything you can say about Christian Wilkins pretty much is good. Like, extremely high-character guy, high motor. And I know people don't like the high motor thing, but it's not like he's a guy who is just a try-hard guy. He's, like, talented and he tries hard. Mm -hmm. So that's the perfect combination of what you want. So I just feel like that would be a really strong addition you add him again as a potential, you don't necessarily have him as a quote-unquote starter right away, but that's fine. He's still going to be playing a lot of snaps in that defensive line rotation. So if you could get Christian Wilkins at 25, it'd be great if you'd trade up a couple spots for him. Also okay with that. The only knock on him, um, and shout out to our good friend Noah Becker, uh, who has been hammering this a while for for a bit now? Just the fact that like he's kind of older for a draft prospect. I think he turns twenty four this year. Um, I know that doesn't sound super old, but you know some of these other rookies by comparison Not are twenty two. Oh, Derek <laughs> Barnett's still twenty two, so like right, you, know, you right. kind of got to consider it is a little bit on the older side, and you kind of wonder too when you're looking at his production and what he's done, like how much is he like, why is he, is there a part of him that he's been better just because like he's older than some of these other guys facing. So I get that as a potential knock, but I think that's the only thing you don't love about him. Like he's the thing with him is like, I don't think he's ever going to be elite. Like, I don't think he has that kind of like takeover potential, like, like a Fletcher Cox necessarily, but I still think he's going to be a really darn good defensive tackle and he's going to be able to generate a lot of pressure. He's going to be disruptive, especially in this scheme. So to me, that's a pick I really like in terms of one that's probably more realistic than Ed Oliver. Yeah. And I've seen in some mocks where he's going higher um, than I think it would even be possible for the Eagles to, to draft. And then in some mocks, he's falling to the Eagles and falling past the Eagles. He seems to be a guy that uh, there's not a lot of, there's no consensus on kind of where he's going to go here, BLG. So if you're going defensive tackle, that would, given where the Eagles are picking, that would be a terrific, a terrific selection. Number three for you, BLG. Number three is Cody Ford, the offensive tackle, Mm -hmm. and some people think he might be a guard in the NFL, from Oklahoma. Uh, I just think that dude is a beast. He's big. His comparison on NFL.com's scouting report from Lance Zerline is actually Eagles right guard Brandon Brooks. Um, So, you know, to add another player of that caliber, if he can be that good for the Eagles on this offensive line, I just like that a lot. I think you can potentially come in and play guard year one. Again, if let's say like Brandon Brooks isn't ready to play right away early in the season, maybe you throw Cody Ford out there. He starts for a little bit. He serves as a backup behind Samalo as well. If Samalo struggles, you know, you can bench him and which hopefully doesn't happen. But if it does, you know, you have the option there. If, you know, you have a tackle injury, Big V is going to be your starter. But then all of a sudden you have Cody Ford backing him up instead of literally no one. (laughs) So, or Jordan Mailata, you know, and counting on him in year two. So I really just like the potential of Cody Ford potentially being there. And then again, Jason Peters retires. Maybe you move Lane Johnson over to the left side. Or maybe you're just fine keeping Cody Ford at left tackle. I I really like that potential to, uh, to add to there. I just think, you know, protecting Carson Wentz, very, very important thing for this team. And if you can do that and you can get Cody Ford, I like that pick. Yeah, and I think he checks off a lot of boxes for the Eagles too, because you're like you said, he can play multiple positions on on the def- on the defensive on the offensive line. I was reading some things about him today too. He kind of has a, a little bit of a mean streak to him uh, in, in, a, oh, yeah. in a lot of regards. So uh, you certainly don't mind that. And uh, 
I think just some uh, some of the weaknesses that he's shown is a little bit in, in pass protection. But I think, you know, again, those are the kinds of things that uh, that you can coach up um, at the NFL level. And Jeff Stoutland, I mean, uh, from from what I've heard, too, also Jeff Stoutland really likes him. I think he's been talking about him quite a bit. So that would be an interesting selection at number 25 as well. Um, number four for you, BLG. Number four is Ben Solak's favorite player, probably, or one of them for number 25. <laughs> that is Chauncey Gardner Johnson. CGJ, as I will henceforth hopefully reference him, uh, the Florida safety slash nickel corner, uh, very versatile player. He makes sense in that role, as I said earlier, a guy who can kind of come in and be a rotational player right away, kind of play multiple positions in the secondary, and then ideally eventually take over as a full-time starter in the secondary as a safety moving forward. So if you can get him, uh, and I think he'll be there at 25, it's interesting because, you know, I was talking to Ben, and Ben obviously has him like pretty high. I think he has him 15. I think Kiss has him at 15 too, but yeah, uh, they do. Kiss has some other players that are higher, but we'll talk about later um, in a future podcast episode <laughs> slash blog post on bleedingyournation.com, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, so I think if you can get a guy like that, uh, I see where the fit makes sense here in the short term and the long term. He's a guy who makes plays on the ball. That's like the Eagles could certainly use some more of that. And if like if you're going to be one of these mock drafters giving the Eagles cornerback like can you at least give them one who can also play safety like so that, that's kind of <laughs> what makes more sense here and i think that's if i think that's possible we're seeing that actually in my mock draft roundup from last week chauncey gardner johnson was actually the most popular pick in last week's mm. um roundup he had four mock drafts being slotted to the eagles and that was more than anyone else so that one's kind mm. of gaining steam here late in the process yeah, and there was a lot of Nasir Adderley early, but you're right. It seems that CGJ has kind of taken over as um, not the darling necessarily of, uh, of of the mock drafts for the Eagles, but certainly, like you said, gaining a little bit of momentum. Uh, and your number five uh, pick for uh, the number 25 overall selection for the Eagles, BLG? Well, the Josh Jacobs stands Woo-woo! are not going to like this one because oh. he's not number five. Um, I put Adderley at number five, kind of just piggying, piggybacking okay. off of everything I said there with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, same kind of argument pretty much for mm-hmm. him. I just think CDJ's versatility I like a little bit more and playmaking skills. But uh, I think maybe Josh Jacobs is number six for me. Uh, I only did top five here, but as Kist and Solak have kind of talked about on their show, again, there's there's a sentiment you know, that there there is uh, appreciation of Jacobs in the Eagles. And certainly, you know, they've brought him in for a visit. There's been rumors that they really like him. You know, I, I just can't think he's going to be the most popular target for them uh, from the Eagles perspective at number 25 but uh you know I still don't rule it out completely as we talked about earlier in the show you need that pass catching running back and it'll be interesting to see where Josh Jacobs goes if not the Eagles and what round he goes in maybe he falls into the second maybe the Eagles are able to trade back up for him you know I always talk about how like everyone was so sure that Dalvin Cook was going to go in the first round in 2017, some people thought he might not even make it to the Eagles pick at 14, I think, that year. And all of a sudden, you know, he falls into the second round. And sadly, it was looking like the Eagles were going to get him until the Vikings traded up. So maybe kind of Josh Jacobs is that player this year who the Eagles are able to get a little bit lower than expected. That would be nice. But yeah, I think I would put him maybe at number six if we're talking about. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. There. 
if the if there is nobody at number twenty five, like if there's no defensive lineman that they like or offensive lineman or safety at number twenty five that they like, and and running back is is sitting there for them, do do you think that they honestly will take a running back like Josh Jacobs at number twenty five, or do you think they would trade down because they simply just don't believe in taking a running back in the first round? I think they trade down. I think there's some thought there that they just they just won't do it. I mean, they haven't even taken a running back in the Howie Roseman era. What before? fifth like smallwood yeah. mm-hmm. i think it's i think that like shady you know was second but that was before how he's official uh before he officially stepped up into the role he kind of is that dm role so yeah i just i there's no track record of it really and i just i can't see it i think the way you look at how the eagles are such an analytically driven organization and how they won a super bowl being one of those by the way uh they just mm-hmm. i i just think that kind of goes hand in hand there where you know, you look at these analytical studies that suggest, you know, running back in the first round just is almost never worth it. I think, you know, the, the interesting part there is like, where's the cutoff? So yeah. you can take a running back at 33, but you can't take him mm. at 32 because it's still in the first round. You know, like the Patriots, <laughs> right. who are also, yeah. I would say, very analytically driven. You know, they took a running back at 31 last year and Sony Michelle. Um, so and there was talk that the Eagles really liked Sony Michelle. So maybe if he made it to 32 and didn't get picked at 31, maybe they would have taken him instead of trading down. I don't know. Um, so I don't rule it out completely. Again, I keep saying that I can't totally dismiss it, but I just I think they would trade down. Yeah, I get that feeling too. I I would you know if if they don't have if they if 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 they don't have like a a a Chris Lindstrom sitting there or if they don't have a Christian Wilkins or a Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Nasir Adderley or something if they, for some weird reason they're all gone and and all that's left is to take one of the top running backs I don't think they take him at twenty five I I agree with you I think they move down and and they wait to take a running back in the second round I don't know that I would agree with that I'd probably be upset but you know I because I, I would <laughs> love to see them take Josh Jacobs at number twenty five if he's sitting there and they don't have any defensive line options that they like but I agree with you I think I don't think that they value that that position and I don't think there's anybody in the draft that they love that much to take at number 25 maybe I'm wrong and uh and and they'll they'll take him there but uh I agree I think I think they'll move down so here's the thing for you John that I want to throw at you earlier this week Peter King did a we called it a non-mock draft it wasn't so much a mock draft as what he um thought teams should do i guess mm-hmm, but he still said mm-hmm. like he he talked to teams here so he or not necessarily teams but he he, t- he said he um with some education gleaned from calls to those who know is how he phrased okay. it so it kind of sounded like there's some kind of inside information uh he had the eagle selecting hollywood brown marquise brown at number 25 which is pretty like that catches my interest a little bit because like maybe peter king just doesn't really know what he's talking about <laughs> and you know this is silly season there's so many rumors out there i can't say he knows this for sure but in the past peter king has been on to some of the eagles intentions i look back at last year when he had written in his mmqb column at the time before the draft that like the eagles were hellbent on trading down and that wasn't a shocker because we kind of already knew that anyway but like he was saying it pretty definitively and i also think back to in the past where peter king was like I'm pretty sure he's one of the only people that had the Eagles selecting Danny Watkins the year they did. Um, so, like, I feel like, you know, he's in the know to some extent. So it just kind of made me a little bit curious when I saw Marquise Brown's name pop up there. Do you make anything of that? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, if if it's if he's plugged in, I guess he's hearing that for a reason. But it, you know, the Eagles just got a guy; they just traded for a guy who's very much like Marquise Brown and Deshaun Jackson. But of course, Deshaun's not going to be around forever. He signed a three-year deal. I, I, if if you if you're drafting a guy like that, you're pretty much you know telling Mac Hollins that he doesn't have much of a future with the team at this point. I mean, I, I don't know that he would supplant Mac Hollins necessarily, but you're not drafting you're not you're not drafting uh, Hollywood with the idea of not making him a major part of your wide receiver rotation um, moving forward in 2020-2021. So that one, I just, you know, I don't necessarily buy it. I I think it, it doesn't seem like a fit. Um, I love the idea of adding a speedy playmaker. I just would love to see that guy out of the backfield, I think, this particular year. If they hadn't signed Deshaun ja- or traded for Deshaun Jackson, obviously I'd be all over this. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that'd be a no-brainer. But at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, it's a guy's more plugged in than I am, so I'm not going to tell a guy he's wrong, but uh, it, it doesn't <laughs> pass the sniff test for me. Um, up next, um, speaking of crazy stuff, um, Peter Schrager from the NFL uh, from the NFL Network's Good Morning Football mentioned something about the Eagles in the draft that I had to do a triple take when I first heard it. Rick, we're going to talk about that and then quickly uh, answer the question: What we think is the best draft pick in Eagles history? That's up next, right here on BGN Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. So BLG, I could not believe it when I heard this. I was surfing around NFL.com the other day. I think it was uh, yesterday I was looking around NFL.com. Maybe, I don't know, it was today. It was this afternoon while I was at work and um, not doing work, which um, the bosses aren't listening. But uh, I was <laughs> goofing around on NFL.com and I, I came across a, uh, a video from a, a Good Morning Football segment uh, where they were talking about teams that they thought could move into the top five of the draft. The top five, one of the first five picks in the NFL draft, and uh, most of the uh, most of the panelists uh, were were mentioning teams, you know, like the Dolphins and and teams like the Giants, who could move, you know, a couple of spots from just outside five into the top five. And Peter Schrager comes on and says, "I think it could be the Eagles." And the entire panel reacted in shock because the Eagles are picking twenty five. I don't see how they get into the top five overall. But he mentioned something about the Eagles having the 25th overall pick and a ton of third-round compensatory picks, and he thinks that uh, Howie Roseman is just lying in the weeds, ready to jump into the top five and and take like a stud defensive player or something like that. It was total speculation on his part. It, I don't think he was plugged in or has any any notion that the Eagles are going to do something like that. But BLG, two things. First, how crazy is this? And 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 second. Could they even pull it off if they wanted to, given what they have? I don't see how they have the ammo to do it. They could if they wanted to. But again, this is like that thing where I talked about, um, you know, you could take all of your money that you have and go to Taco Bell and buy like as much Taco Bell as you possibly like. You can do that. It is an option. Like you can do that, (laughs) but you're not going to do that because it's not a good decision. I think the Eagles can if they really wanted to. But who is that player? Is it Ed Oliver? Like, I don't think Ed Oliver... 
I think he's really good, but I, I don't think he's that good. Like, I don't think he's that good where you're like, there are cons- some concerns with him in, in the sense of being a little bit undersized or having shorter arms or not having the best college production in terms of sacks. I don't think you just give up the farm to get him because what if he gets hurt? You know what I mean? Like, okay, he gets hurt. And then what? Doing that is risky. And it also kind of flies in the face of Jeffrey Lurie at the owners meetings talking about how, you know, we, we believe picking and volume because we believe right. that. No one's really good at drafting players as in the whole, like theoretically, like no one is really actually good at the draft uh, over time. It's kind of just a crapshoot. And in order to kind of increase our chances at success, we need more picks. Now, I, I think so. I believe that part. And I almost there's a part of me that believes, OK, the Eagles are thinking about the future, you know, for as much as they're kind of doing some short term moves in free agency and adding some older guys and kind of pushing the chips in a little bit to win now in the way, especially with the way they're manipulating the salary cap like there's a part of me there that kind of believes the draft is for the future they're kind of like there's so there's kind of two different competing ideologies here kind of trying to balance it out like they're trying to win now and also trying to make sure they can be competitive in the future now the same i also have a thought there's a part of me battling inside that's telling me that these are going to be aggressive because they they do see a window to win right now with carson wentz still as of right now, still on his rookie contract, and they have this window in front of them that maybe it's time to get a little bit aggressive. And if you feel like you can make a Super Bowl run this year, that you need to get a difference maker. And maybe that guy is unexpected or unexpectedly to us, I guess, available. Maybe that's Quinnen Williams falling further than expected, and you're adding him, uh, like another stud in there in the defensive line. I think that's what it would have to be if it, it did happen, which, again, I just don't think it is going to happen. Schrager's point that Howard Roseman is lying in the weeds and can do anything is a valid point, but I don't, I don't think it's quite <laughs> this much. Um, and while we're on this topic, it almost makes me think of something I saw uh, Dan Graziano from ESPN had put out this week about how, like, the Eagles – he didn't necessarily say it was like a source or a rumor. He kind of just said there was speculation. So to me, that kind of means like anyone could be saying that if there's speculation, that that's what speculation is. If I speculate on something, you can say that there is speculation out there. Right. Um, so right, I right, don't right. know if, if this is him like reporting something or kind of just throwing something out there that he heard. But he had said that the Eagles could be aggressive in trading up. But he said for an offensive tackle, which like that doesn't make sense. Like if the Eagles are going to be aggressive yeah. – for trade in trading up because they think they have a window to win this year. Like they're taking an offensive tackle who might not even play. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Again, this is silly season. There's so many rumors out there. Um, it's, I, I like Peter Schrager a lot, nothing against him, but it's entirely possible. Like this is just, you know, trying to make for good TV, you know, or good internet yeah. clip where you're just like throwing something out there off the wall and it's not <laughs> totally baseless, but it's just like probably not going to happen. No, it caught my attention, and I think that was the the intended purpose. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a very, very unlikely. One, a couple things before we finish up here, BLG. Uh, I think it's a good time to take a look back at uh, Eagles' past drafts, and you know, they this team has drafted so many players over the years, and they've gotten some phenomenal value uh, late in some rounds, but they've also had some uh, early round picks during the course of their history. Just play out magnificently and so i wanted to get your thought as to who you thought was the best draft pick in franchise history and i i came up with let's see i have one two three four five six names here for you um so let me know what you think who you think is the best draft pick in eagles history and you can make this determination however you want it doesn't have to be based on value it could just be based on the best player that they've ever taken and you know whatever 
All right, so we got Brian Dawkins, who was a second-round pick, number 61 overall in 1996, a Hall of Famer, one of the best defensive players in team history. LaShawn McCoy was a second-round pick in 2009, number 53 overall. Seth Joyner was an eighth-round pick, number 208 overall in 1986. And then uh, Buddy Ryan in the following round, the ninth round, got Clyde Simmons, uh, with pick number 233, again, with a ninth-round pick. We don't go that deep anymore. Um, mm-hmm. in, 19, in 1977, uh, the Eagles selected Wilbert Montgomery with the sixth round with a sixth-round pick, number 154 overall. And then uh, in 1971, the Eagles got Harold Carmichael for a seventh-round pick, number 161 overall, BLG. So, I mean, obviously, there, in, in some of these cases, there were some fewer teams in the league, so these, th- these rounds went just a little bit further. But, I mean, when you're talking about number 208 for Seth Joyner, number 233 for Clyde Simmons, 154 for Montgomery, 161 for Carmichael, this is late in the draft, and you're getting some stud players here. In your mind, what was the best draft pick in Eagles history? Can I say one that you didn't list? Please do. I, I want to say Nick Foles. I don't think it's him. I mean, it's it's kind of just a weird situation, you know, considering he was drafted by the team, but then they traded him, and then he signed back as a free agent. So, like, it's a weird thing to consider him, like, either way, a draft pick or a free I agent. I probably should have considered it as – yeah, I, I didn't – I totally blanked on Foles. I should have considered that one. But I don't think I'm going to say him. I'm going to say one that is so – like, people are going to roll their eyes. Some people. I think it's Chuck Bednarik. I think he is the greatest Eagles draft pick of all time. First overall pick in the 1949 NFL draft, I believe it is. He They won their first championship because of Chuck Bednarik. And he was a legendary player. I, you, you can make your case for him as the like definitive Philadelphia Eagle. I think you know Brian Dawkins obviously kind of holds that mantle in the modern era. But for him, uh, this lasting legacy of Concrete Charlie and for him to be on that field and a big reason why you know and playing on both sides of the ball in their first championship game their first championship win to me it's him i think that's a totally fair call that's a totally fair call but uh for me i I think it's i think it's going to be dawkins um you know i just with the impact the hall he's a hall of famer the impact that he had on the modern era of the of eagles game i think you know the linchpin of the defense for outside of winning a super bowl the greatest run of success this team's ever had uh under the under andy Reid. um i I, you know it's uh, for me i think it's i think it's b doc in the second round but uh, i can't argue with bednarik i couldn't if somebody had said Foles, i couldn't argue with Foles. And I could make an argument for every one of the players, maybe except for LaShawn McCoy, uh, that I had on this list. Um, But and you know what? You know, I didn't mention Donovan McNabb, but that was a controversial pick, obviously, with Ricky Williams uh, in the mix. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that uh, of all the quarterbacks taken early, it went Achilles Smith one, Donovan McNabb two. uh, No, it was Tim Couch. Tim Tim, Couch. Yeah, Tim Couch one. Uh, McNabb two, Achilles Smith three. I mean, they had a, they had some all kinds of different options there, and the Eagles took the right guy. Like there were like I, I forget how many. I don't Shocker have that draft with Andy in front Reed of me. involved. Right, I know exactly. But that was like they had so many options at quarterback in that draft, and only one of them panned out, and it was McNabb, and uh, that was the guy I wanted all along. I was not one of the Ricky Williams brigade, um, so I was I was ecstatic oh, so when they took boo. McNabb. <laughs> 
I was not among the dirty 30. No, I was I was <laughs> I, I was extremely happy that they got McNabb because I was kind of a big Syracuse guy um, when he was playing. So uh, anyway, any the lots of every team you could go through every team's list of draft picks and come up with uh, arguments for four or five different players uh, based on where they were taken, how good their stats were, the success the team had while they were there. But uh, kind of a fun discussion uh, to finish things off here. BLG, uh, the Eagles announced their 2000, uh, 19 preseason schedule uh, looks like the Eagles are going to start things off playing the Titans at home followed by a matchup with Nick Foles in Jacksonville in week two of the preseason uh, there'll be a little bit of hype around that one even for a preseason game Baltimore at home uh, for the third game and the Jets away once again uh, to finish off the preseason obviously I think the game that even for a preseason game people are going to be interested in is the Eagles going down to Jacksonville to play their old buddy Nick Foles BLG yeah, I feel like that game has disaster potential written all over it. It's <laughs> it like, sure does. Carson Wentz, like, you know, he could go out there for, I don't know, he could attempt, like, five passes, and one of them, you know, or, like, maybe either two or three of them are incomplete, or there's an interception, like, whatever, it's preseason. And, you know, Nick Foles, like, throws a touchdown, and it's like, oh, Foles is better, and then it's like, you just know that's going to be all over Twitter and sports radio, and it will be ridiculous if it happens, so... Not looking forward to that. Like I really need Carson to play well in that game and Foles to just be okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be better for everybody because it is going to be a big topic of conversation. And I, it, the the preseason schedule came out this week, and I'm a big, you know me, I love the NFL, I love football, but when the preseason schedule comes out and people start talking about it, I really roll my eyes, man. I just can't. I <laughs> I just can't with the preseason schedule. But this year, on this year's preseason schedule, at least there's something very interesting. This uh, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Eagles, Jaguars, uh, they're not going to meet in the regular season this year, so uh, this will be our chance to see Nick in another team's uniform. Uh, and it'll be in a fake game, thankfully, and uh, the starters will probably only play a quarter and a half or something like that anyway, so um, it'll mostly be kind of looking at them uh, with their baseball caps on on the sidelines uh, so uh any final thoughts blg as we wrap things up here for episode number 45 one thing we didn't talk about in our needs or checklist or whatever is wide receiver that's one position we didn't really talk about so much other than the hollywood brown stuff and to me it continues to be interesting how the eagles are hosting these bigger slot receiver types on pre-draft visits you look at Nikhil Harry coming in for a visit. You look at A.J. Brown coming in for a visit. Paris Campbell came in for a visit. And now, as of Thursday, the Eagles are hosting Jalen Hurd from Baylor, who actually used to play running back, but he's like six foot five. He's big. Another big slot type guy. So it's just like, what are they doing at the slot receiver position? Like, you have Nelson yeah. Aguilar here making $9.4 million this year. Like, are they going to trade him before this season? Are they just the Eagles looking at these receivers because they're looking for his potential replacement next year because Aguilar, even if he's with the team this year, it seems unlikely they'll be back after this year. I'm just, I'm really intrigued by that. Maybe it's a smoke screen. Maybe it's nothing. I don't know though. Like it's just, that's kind of like in the back of my mind here. I think the Aguilar trade possibility is one of those things kind of like lingering out there still that we don't fully know his future. So that's kind of just something that's on the back of my mind as we proceed here but as always thank you for listening to btn radio make sure you please go rate with five stars obviously and review the podcast on apple or apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it 
And I had a weird thought before the podcast, John, and I was like, you know, are there any people out there who like listen to the podcast, but don't actually follow along with the website? You know, because I don't want to just assume things. And if there are, sure. I just like to say, make sure you go to bleedinggreennation.com as well, by the way. Absolutely. You know, like, we're not just a podcast. We're also attached <laughs> to the website. So if for some reason that is you and you didn't know about that, I just wanted to make sure that we're including everyone and spreading the information. So once again, bleedinggreennation.com. Go check it out. Absolutely. Read all of BLG's great work there. And we've got a great staff uh, putting up tons of Eagles content at BleedingGreenNation.com. So, again, make sure you check that out. That'll do it for episode number 45 of BGN Radio. Again, you can follow BLG on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. The draft is almost here, everybody. Get ready for it. And uh, we will keep you up to date on the latest news and notes on what's going on with the draft on this uh, podcast, on the Kiston Solak Show, and the rest of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast family, as well as at BleedingGreenNation.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the balls. BGN.